Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company. This is Thursday. It's a crazy world we're in, in particular if you are connected to Victoria in any way, shape or form. Stay with us over the next two hours. We'll keep you up to date. The hard border is up in Western Australia. Premier Mark McGowan moments ago said that as of 10 o'clock this morning, the hard border would come into effect. Victoria classified or reclassified as a medium risk jurisdiction, meaning travel from the Victorian state to WA no longer permitted except for exempt travellers. Premier McGowan said seven people had been identified in WA who had visited the known exposure sites in Melbourne, and they are ever-increasing those sites, with all seven currently in quarantine and undergoing COVID tests, and one person has tested negative so far. As we heard there in the news with Alex Riddell, Victoria is due to enter a seven-day lockdown from midnight to try and curb the outbreak, which has doubled in the past 24 hours. And so far, 26 cases have been recorded. The Essendon footballers are in Perth. They have all tested negative and will resume normal procedures here in WA. So what does that mean for the world of sport? Well, it means that the AFL is ever-changing. It's ever-evolving. And, uh, well, on the back of that... Let's hear from James Molino. He is the acting Premier of Victoria. He had this to say a little while ago in regards to the situation in Victoria. From 11.59pm tonight, Victoria will enter a seven-day circuit breaker lockdown um, and these restrictions will be in place until 11.59 on Thursday the 3rd of June. If we can ease those restrictions earlier, we will, but this is a seven-day circuit breaker lockdown. That's James Molino, who is the uh, at the moment uh, the Victorian acting premier, and uh, look, he basically has confirmed that lockdown. And uh, at this stage, the games will go ahead in various states. We know that Richmond will play Adelaide in Sydney. We know that Essendon is already here. We know the Hawthorne Gold Coast game, which was being played in the Northern Territory, is uh, has been postponed to a date and time to be fixed. So, look, there's plenty going on. There will be no crowds in games in Victoria. That's uh, it's self-explanatory. And that's interesting because Martin Pakula, who's the Victorian sports minister, said yesterday, categorically, at this time yesterday, that crowds would be attending, which was a bizarre comment to make. I don't know whether he was just trying to appease the sporting public or whether he just completely got the wrong information. But it's, uh, it didn't go down too well with a lot of people, of course, in Victoria. But we'll keep you posted. And it's not just AFL. It's normal life as well. There's lots of friends and family who are connected to Victorians and people who are trying to get back for various reasons. It's a really tough time for everyone involved in those who are connected to the state of Victoria as it stands at this point. We'll keep you updated until 12 o'clock here on the Sporting Goss. What I will tell you is that we've got a big show. Todd Curley's going to join us, South Fremantle coach. They've got to bounce back, uh, of course, after their disappointing performance last week against uh, the uh, Perth Demons. Miguel Hume is continuing his walk for the boys overnight, Noble Falls, and he's heading to Dower, and he's going to get there by Saturday, 200 Ks. And he's doing that for Richmond Wellbeing, of course, and mental health in men between 18 and 40. Holly Watson's going to join us. Um, She's on her way to Northam. She's a delightful young lady. She's a newcomer to the racing industry. She's an apprentice jockey with leading trainer Simon Miller. We're going to find out a bit about the Holly Watson story. A young girl who doesn't have a racing background, just fell in love with horses, and now she rides winners and plenty of them as well. Adam Pickering's going to join us. He's the coach of Swan Districts, but more importantly, he's the coach and had something to do with the development of Riley Garcia, 
who has broken into the top of the table ladder leaders, the Western Bulldogs. He's going to make his debut tomorrow night, albeit in front of no fans, but it is a huge game as the Bulldogs take on Melbourne. Zoe Arancini, of course, will be chatting with her, Australian water polo member, and GS Vivek, who's the Associate Editor of Sport with ABP News in India. He will also join us yeah, an update in regards to the IPL and Phase 2, which has been earmarked for the UAE. We'll take a break and we'll come back and we will then hear, of course, from Todd Curley from the South Fremantle Bulldogs. Buddy Franklin has also spoken. Also, Justin Longmuir has spoken. And later today, Oscar Allen will speak about his new deal with the West Coast Eagles. It is a big show. We're here for you, of course, 131255 or text away on 0487 736 736. This is Sporting Goss. We continue to give great coverage to the WAFL competition here on SENWA and, of course, here on the Sporting Goss. And a big game for South Fremantle, a chance to bounce back. They take on, of course, the West Coast Eagles waffle team at Fremantle Community Bank Stadium on Saturday at 10 past two. The coach of the Bulldogs, Todd Curley, has been kind enough to give up some time. Curls, you get a chance to bounce back straight away after what would be a disappointing loss last week. Yeah, good day, Tim. Thanks for your time. Um, oh, look, it's a good chance to bounce back. We were, we were pretty ordinary, to be honest. Um, and have probably been, you know, spluttering around um, for the past few weeks. So um, we're certainly trained well this week and, and looking to bounce back this week. But, um, yeah, no doubt we've been, you know, well below our best. Um, and But taking a, a nothing away from Perth, you know, they're... You know, the fair few guys out and the, and the young people, young players that came in got an opportunity and, you know, their existing players played with, you know, great energy and effort and really uh, put us under pressure and um, fully deserved their win. Was the writing on the wall after the, the previous week against East Perth? Because, I mean, I didn't see the game, but talking to a couple of East Perth people, they feel like they were in a winning position as well and that was a team that hadn't won a game at that stage. Did you, were you concerned going into last week's game? I'm oh, not concerned, um, but we're certainly look. We haven't been at our best um, for the majority of the year, mm. um, um, so we've had you know um, really inconsistent performances as teams and as an individual. So we you know we have been string our best together. So I guess the bonus of that is we've won four out of six, um, and we feel like we've got our best footy and certainly a lot of growth um, ahead of us. So um, yeah, we. Got a couple back last week. Um, everyone gets injuries, but um, yeah, look, we're just playing poorly. So um, you know, you don't lose your talent. So no. we've just been training hard, and we'll give effort, and uh, hopefully turn it around this week. Yeah, very much so. And so, you know, a coach of your experience, and with the experienced playing group that you've got, are you a sit-down, uh, method-based type coach where you just walk walk through and talk through the issues, or do you hit the whiteboard and rant, not rant and rave, for the want of a better word, but you have to get a have to produce a stern approach? No, certainly not this week. Um, you know, so if we're realistically, um, you know, we look at last week, if you put magnets up on a board, um, you would say we win nine out of ten. So it wasn't a talent thing. Um, so we just really discussed you know, where we're at, how we're all feeling. Uh, the players always have a say. We've got a, you know, pretty good um, leadership group. So uh, we tried to break it down as, as simple as we can. So um, it'll be a pretty simple-based approach for this week and, and get back on track. Bottom line is you should be winning, shouldn't you? I mean, with, with, with what West Coast 
have got at their disposal. They got a couple of back last week. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Elliot Yo and Hutchings and Vardy and the like. They'll probably they'll probably both be playing for the West Coast Waffle team, but they lose Cameron. So I mean their ins and outs just continue, but that's they've bought into that. They understand that. On sheer form, you should bounce back. Look, we should. Um, and but to be honest, we our expectation is we win every week. <laughs> not not this week. So um, you know, we want to take some steps in the right direction. Um, we haven't been at our best for a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, we're just looking for, for small wins along the way and some growth. And, you know, confidence is a is a wonderful thing. So uh, we think if we can uh, make some really uh, simple targets that we want to hit, um, that we'll get those done. And, you know, if we look after that, the scoreboard will, will take care of itself. So, you know, that's, that's really been our theme for the week. As the reigning Premier, and I know you've got to shelve that and you all move on and players come and go through the competition, it's incredibly even, isn't it? I mean, you played Perth last week who were undermanned in their, for their best available and everyone raves about when they get their next six or eight players back and that's going to happen inside the next fortnight or three weeks. They're all of a sudden going to be a competitor. We know that West Perth can dish it up. We know that Claremont and Subiaco are already in positions to, to have a crack and we know that Swans are always going to be hard to beat. I think really... The bottom line is you are in the mix with probably six other teams that are genuine bona fide premiership uh, fancies. It's a really tough comp. Oh, look, it's even. And I think even if you look at the AFL as well, um, if you don't come with your at your best, then you're going to be under the pump. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've found that the last few weeks. So, um, but we're also really confident that at our best, um, you know, we can we can uh, take on and, and beat any team in the competition. So. We just got to get some um, some of our players that have been playing back to their best, um, and we'll get some, you know, some pretty important players back in the next month or so. Um, but the beauty of it, we've been able to, you know, play a few younger players, been exposed to league footy, played a few games. So we we think in the back half of the year, um, if we can get everyone healthy and you know get everyone playing at their best, that our depth will actually be better. So um, you know. You don't uh, you don't win premierships this time of year, no. um, so it's now it's about um, you know improving all the time and um, hopefully having uh, everyone on the train and moving in the right direction and, and playing really well for the back half of the year. On the uh, you talked about some of the young kids that you've been able to blood. Which ones have you given the opportunity to and you've been pleased with? Albeit if they are still in the team in a month's time, but right now the guys who have put their shoulders to the wheel and, and, and done something for you uh, being called up into the senior team, which are a couple of names that the listeners and the South Fremantle fans uh, can basically tick that off and, and look forward to seeing more of in the future. Yeah, look, there's a couple of a couple of younger guys. Um, Hamish Free is a, a younger ruckman, so he's played a couple, a couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, we think he'll definitely play more throughout the year. It's a, probably a balancing act of when you can play two rucks. Uh, obviously, Brock Higgins has uh, been a really good player for us, but um, you know, we think Hamish is going to play an enormous amount of footy for us going forward, and you know, we want to expose him to as much footy as we can this year. Uh, Manfred Kelly played last week, played his first game, um, won the medal in the in the reserves comp last year. Small, um, quick, um, very good one on one. So he, he's midfield, but played you know pre- predominantly forward um, last week. And then we've got some young guys. Um, that played a little bit of footy last year. You know, Kai Barker came from Swans and, and played um, some football last year. I think he's played about 10 games. Um, and you've got Tommy Bletchenden, played probably 10 before this season. And, you know, he's played every game. George Wessels, um, another midfielder from our country zone. You know, he's played probably four games out of, out of the six. Um, 
So, you know, they're the ones that are probably the youngest. But, you know, add to that, Steve Edwards has come back. He hasn't played for probably 18 months to two years. Cody Ninetta really only played Goss. four games for the club. Coming back to me. Um, prior to... Did you want to chat to Miguel before? Or... Hey? Did you want to chat to Miguel no, before? No, no, no. No, it's all good. Yeah, thanks. Um, so he'll, he'll certainly play in the back half of the year. and um, So there's a lot of growth in it for us, but the ones that are playing have just got to play at a high level mm-hmm. as well. And um, So yeah, the pressure, not, not the pressure, but the challenge is for all the club coaches, everyone to get to get us playing better. The last couple for you, Todd Curley, uh, coach of the Saffron Football Club, joining us on Sporting Goss here on SEN. A couple of your boys have nominated for the mid-season draft, which happens soon, we think, depending on what's taking place over there in Victoria with, uh, of course, COVID and the like. Blake Schlensog, I haven't seen a lot of him, but, of course, uh, you know, he's got uh, the state game under his belt. Just tell us a bit about him and can he go next level? He's to be a Geelong player. Yeah, yeah, he's playing for South um, you know, he's a... Oh, really? With the reduced list, okay. you know, he unfortunately got squeezed out. So, um, But he's come in, he's, you know, only a 20-year-old, but key position player who, you know, can, can roll off and play you know, that roll-off defensive role, or he can, you know, play as a key defender. Um, very composed um, and use the ball well. So um, I think the challenge with the mid-season draft is players being actually being able to go in and make an impact because there's just a huge gulf between, you know, our level and, and AFL level. I think it's a huge jump up. Um, and uh, the opportunity is fantastic, but I think, you know, the minimum they should get is 18 months, I think. Yeah. Um, they get the rest of this year. They definitely need a full summer to, to realistically give the, the boys the best chance. Um, you don't want them sort of going away and getting spat out in, you know, 10 games later, they're, they're back out. So, um, you know, everyone talks about Marlon. It's a fantastic story, but I think people forget that when he did get drafted, he had a broken finger and Richmond had sort of six to seven weeks to, um, to train him, get him really fit. Um, you know, teach him sort of how they wanted to play and before he even played a VFL game. So, mm-hmm. you know, that in combination of he's a pretty good player, um, he's a fantastic story, but um, I think it'll be a challenge for, for boys that are drafted sort of next week to have uh, an impact this year. Um, but, you know, we all obviously want the best opportunities for, for our players and want to see them, you know, play AFL footy if they can. So, um you know, if we lose one or, or whatever to get that opportunity, you know, they'll go with our full blessing and, and all our support. Appreciate your time. Good luck on Saturday. Good chance to bounce back. Thanks, Tim. Anytime, mate. Good on you, mate. Todd Curley, the coach of South Fremantle, joining us on Sporting Goss on this Thursday. Back with more after the break, including more on the WAFL. Only a short break. We'll take a short break because we're going to get uh, in a moment after the uh, news at 10.30. But we're going to chat to a young man who's continuing his walk for the boys. And Miguel Hume is on day two as the 200k walk continues to Dowron. And he's doing it, of course, for Richmond's Wellbeing Bouncing Back program that takes mental health and suicide prevention training directly to sporting clubs. And, of course, suicide is the biggest killer of men aged 18 to 40, which is the average age of sporting club members. Day two, Miguel, where do we find you? Good morning. A young man, you call me. I well, mate, anyone's young, hey, anyone younger than 56 is young to me. Well, I'm only just younger than 56. But anyway, I'm, uh, <laughs> I've just left Baker's Hill, actually. I was left pretty damn early this morning because my sleep was very average again. So I got up and just started walking. 
uh, at about 25 past three this morning and uh, just had my pie at Baker's Hill and a coffee had a nice roll made up to, to eat a little bit later so I've I've got about 30 k's under my belt so far this morning and I'm just heading off down the road now towards uh, Clack Line and then 2J. So I'll get to 2J sometime this afternoon. What was the pie of choice at the Bakers Hill uh, pie shop? Oh, well, I went the obvious one, the chunky beef, cheese and bacon. Oh, of course, of course. Now, I tell you yeah. what, I tell you what, you are on your journey this morning and you can confirm or deny if you're walking on the the main highway, you would be, uh, a lot of horses and horse um, floats would be passing you and trainers and jockeys heading to the northern races today. I haven't seen too many yet. Uh, sorry, there's a fair bit of traffic around. That's all right. Um, I actually did 5Ks on the gravel track on the way into uh, uh, Baker's Hill. There you go. And then, uh, and now I'm on the highway. But the, I was going to go back onto the walking track, but... Uh, that 5Ks reminded me of yesterday, so I got off pretty quickly. I'm back, uh, so, back so, on the road. So 30Ks, um, how are you feeling? How's the body? Yeah, it's not too bad. It's um, the, the afternoon yesterday kind of makes it really sore. So one, once you get moving again today, it, it, um, you loosen up again. So I mean, I'm pretty sore, but I'm... I'm getting by. Like if if you're on the flat on the road, you can sort of just keep ticking it over. And I just need to not try and set any goals, and you know, just just keep keep moving and uh, stop looking at my watch and forget about the time and just keep going. What are you listening to in the headphones? Uh, just a bit of music, and uh, yeah, I've got a lot of phone calls actually. So. Um, yeah, so just keeping keeping the mind busy. The odd bit of Ricky Gervais podcasts and stuff like that. Gee, those cars sound like they're close to you, mate. I hope you're safe. Yeah, they are. They are quite close. Now, yeah, so, what, yeah, so, the, so, the so what's the plan? The so when, when, track probably would have been a better idea. Yeah, but do you yeah. reckon it's uh, pretty hard going on that gravel? Now, just in regards yeah, to what time? Do, what time do you aim to finish up today? What time do you want to get into two J? Well. Uh, I don't know. I, I reckon uh, it's going to be somewhere around four, which is a lot earlier than I thought it was going to be. So, um, but we'll see. We play it by ear. I, I don't. You try. You sometimes get a bit caught up in trying to keep a pace, and you're, you're better off just sort of slowing it down and, and easing off a bit sometimes. So, we'll see how we go. Uh, good on you, mate. Well, keep up the good work. We just want to check in on your progress. You're doing it. Walk for the boys. It's Miguel Hume, of course. Uh, this all started a couple of years ago, and he's doing it uh, for the Richmond Wellbeing Bouncing Back program. And it's all about mental health and suicide prevention, predominantly for the biggest killer of men between age 18 and 40. And this is day two of the walk to Dowran. 200 k's finishes on Saturday, where there is going to be a, a big fundraiser. Oh, it's a bit of the horn as someone goes past. Hopefully that yeah. was. Hopefully that was an acknowledgement. Yeah, good stuff. Well, that's good. Hopefully someone's listening to us on the radio as we go. Travel safe, mate, and uh, we might check in with you and Gillian Goss in the morning. Yeah, that'll be great. Thanks, mate. Got Talk to you then. Keep up the good work. There it is. If you're driving up towards uh, the Avon Valley and you're heading that way, please give him a bip. He's on the side of the road, so just on the north side of Baker's Hill, heading to Clackline and then across to, to J. Miguel Hume is doing a wonderful job. A 200k walk to Down. We've uh, followed his progress thanks to the Richmond Wellbeing Bouncing Back Program. And it is very important. I know a lot of our listeners 
are in that vintage, that age group, 18 to 40, that age killer of uh, suicide, of course, which is sadly the average age of those in sporting clubs. And uh, he did it a few years ago for a mate who lost his daughter Ruby to a disease called Marfan syndrome. And Miguel has continued to organise a, a fundraiser again this year. And as I said, it's for Richmond's Wellbeing's Bouncing Back program. It's not just about the money raised, it is also about awareness. So if you see Miguel and you're driving up, one, drive carefully, and two, offer him a toot of confidence. He's doing a remarkable job. Before we go to the news at 10.30, Buddy Franklin has spoken, uh, of course, ahead of the Sadak Nichols round and Indigenous round, and here's Buddy Franklin. He doesn't do many press conferences. Here's a snapshot of what the great Bud Wah, who kicked six here last week, had to say. Buddy's feeling pretty good, I think. Obviously, uh, this is my fourth game in a row at, at this stage, news, so I'm pretty happy with that. But, um, yeah. Yep. Head at this stage, I'm just concentrating on Carlton on Sunday. How good do you feel about against yourself after missing so much footy? It seems like programs are pretty much working well and you're in confidence, mate. Yeah, obviously that 18 months, I missed a whole year of football, which was disappointing for myself and, and the club. But, um, yeah, put a power of working to get myself in a, in a position to, to, to play some good football. And um, I know there's still a lot of work ahead, but um, I'm happy with where things are at at the moment. But, um, yeah. Must have been such a frustrating stretch. Was there ever a point to look at yourself whether you get back to playing sort of footy yeah. uh, I wouldn't say doubts. I think um, it's missing a year of football is never, never a good thing, I think. I had that 15 year, years of playing um, week in, week out, and then to then the last couple of years to miss that much football was disappointing. But um, I've just focused on getting myself um, in, in good condition and, and um, resilient, um, whereas I can play hopefully week in, week out for the rest of my career. Excited by what the season could be for the Swans. I'd like to go the first few rounds sort of took everyone by surprise. The way the young kids have kicked on and the way it's set up for you, are you surprised by that? Uh, not, not necessarily. I think, um, especially last year, I think with the injuries we had, we, we gave a lot of kids opportunity and they, they, they really grabbed that with two hands. And then um, and they've really gone on with it again this year, I think. Um, we've seen so many kids come through, but it's not only the, the young kids playing good football, the senior boys are playing some pretty consistent football and then the young boys following in, follow in their footsteps. You made the 1,000 goal marker fast approaching, obviously, it's not in, in your... Size, it would be a, a great achievement. Is um, you know, what would it mean to reach that? Oh, no, to be honest, like that's not my focus at the moment. My focus is playing um, and winning. Um, if that happens, it happens. For me, it's more about just playing, playing consistent, winning, and getting the club back to finals. That's my focus. If the thousand goals happens, it happens. Have you cut up Holly Watson mind, on the top? The race my main focus into is her playing, winning, and getting the club back to finals. No, not at all. Not at all. I haven't. I haven't thought about it all. So it's after news, Alex, I'll come back. Um, uh, just touch on a few things, and then we'll go straight into Holly Watson. Yep. Because it starts with a race call, so it's sort of that's the wedge. Cool. Special round, not, not only for the Indigenous players, but for the non-Indigenous players. We, it's an exciting round. Um, the AFL really recognises exactly what uh, we bring to the game, um, and we do it, do it, and we make it such a special occasion. And um, we can't wait to run out there on Sunday. Yeah, it's still a long way away with contracts up the end of next year. Can you go again, or is that going to be it? Ah, uh, I'll just focus on what I've got to do this year and, and then next, and then 
um, we'll come to a decision when the, when the time's right. You've spoken to all those young kids. Does that make you think, oh, maybe I'll stick around? Oh, it'd be, it'd be nice. If, if, my, if my body's holding up and I'm feeling good, um, then we, we will ha we'll have that chat um, at this stage. It'd be nice to, to be here, but um, I, I just need my body to hold up. Um, and as you said before, there's a lot of you know, great young talent at this football club. It'd be um, great to go all the way with them. Good on you, April. April Austin in the newsroom, a very busy place at the moment. Stay listening to SEN, SEN Spirit 621, of course. And wherever you're listening to SEN around the country, because albeit we are a long way from Victoria here in WA, it is a great connection to our state at the moment, especially in the uh, the middle of a whole range of sporting seasons. And we're not just talking about AFL, we're talking about the NBL, we're talking about the A-League, we're talking about netball. Uh, so much sport, so many uh, places all linked to Victoria. And just to repeat that the lockdown is on uh, for the Victorians and, of course, it is also border lockdown here in Western Australia and most other states. Tassie have now joined in the party, South Australia as well. Keep listening and keep on the SEN website, sen.com.au, for a rolling coverage of what's taking place in regards to all things sport and Victoria. Still to come, after 11 o'clock, we're going to be chatting with Adam Pickering. He uh, had a bit to do with Riley Garcia, who's set to make his AFL debut tomorrow night, the young Swan Districts boy who did a knee playing in the 18s carnival, but he's making his debut for the Bulldogs tomorrow night. Zoe Arancini, Australian water polo team member and the only West Australian in our water polo team heading to Tokyo. And G.S. Vivek, Associate Editor of AP, uh, ABP News in India. We'll talk about the current situation for the IPL, which is on the move, and there will be a phase two. Also, you can get in touch with us with any texts, 0487 736 736, or, or ring 131255. Let's talk racing. Deception as Watson said, Go races away from God's business reaction. Further back in the field is Stumbles. Lies and Deception, though, is freewheeling 150 from home. It's well clear. Five in front of reaction, God's business. This is going to bolt in. Lies and Deception careered home to win it by about five or six reaction. Stumble came late. Yes, that is Holly Watson doing her thing on Lies and Deception recently when it absolutely bolted in at York, and Holly is. In transit to Northern for her rides today at the in the Avon Valley. She's been kind enough to join us on the Sporting Goss. Holly, appreciate your time. Um, you go there with a bit of confidence today. You've got a couple of rides for the boss and you're also on a horse that you uh, rode a winner on last start in Butterley Lad. You must be very confident. Uh, yeah, hi, Jim. Yeah, I'm um, very confident today. Um, obviously, got some good rides. Two for the boss and getting quite exciting. You know, pink carrots is knocking on the door. Um, just been a bit unlucky both starts, so yeah, I'm very excited. More on those rides in a moment. I want to talk to the uh, Holly Watson. How did you get involved in racing? Because I stand corrected on this, but I don't think you're from a racing background. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> well, um, I've always loved horses and stuff like that, and um, I started working in a racing stable. Darren Taylor um, got me into like obviously riding track work. And I just loved it from then. He, they give me the idea of being an apprentice. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to take that on board. And <laughs> just haven't stopped since and just kept progressing. So when you tell your family, I want to be an apprentice jockey, what was the reaction? <laughs> Please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were, very, they were very excited for me. And, um, you know, they always support me either way. And 
they're loving it now. You know, they love watching me ride winners, and obviously I'm tired with how much travelling I do, but they're always behind me either way, always looking after me. Can we ask you about the travel? Because I, I just was going back through the, the list of tracks that you've ridden. Your last uh, six tracks, you've ridden at Kalgoorlie, Carnarvon, York, Pinjarra, Albany and Northam. You do see a lot of the state. Yeah, it's good though. You get to travel everywhere and get to check everywhere, every place out. So it's good. Um, and I mean, obviously you don't uh, drive to Kalgoorlie or drive to Carnarvon, but you know the the flying and the driving. I mean, you're only a young girl, but do you sort of do you enjoy sort of you know the drive? And I know you're going up with a couple of the boys, uh, Kesha Dorian and and Lakmar Romilly uh, right now. So I mean, you get to yeah. travel and spend some time with others. Yeah, definitely. I hate flying. Flying's not my strong point. Um, yeah, not not a strong flyer. <laughs> I'd rather drive everywhere, but you know, um, like due to like fatigue, so we have to fly to those places and stuff like that. Um, I like driving to York and Northam and stuff like that. Cause I've always got the boys with me and keep me company. <laughs> yeah. So 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 talk me through the flying situation. What's the nerves about the flying? Because I tell you, who's a very bad flyer is Jared Noski. Because I went down, I called the Esperance Cup meeting one day, one year, and he was on the plane, and it was a rocky old flight, let me tell you. It was really, really rugged. It was a small plane, and I've never known a bloke to look so green and vomit so much in my entire life. That's the same as me. I hate, oh, I just cannot do it. I've gotten a lot better. I've had to learn to obviously relax my body more now. Um, The more I catch up about it, the worse it gets, but... um, the, the worst plane flight was my first meeting going to Kalgoorlie and it was horrendous. We, we were flying and obviously we were going through a big storm and the, the aeroplane got struck by lightning. <laughs> so um, give me good, good first experience going to Kalgoorlie. Absolutely. Well, it's a, good, it's a good way if you're chucking up your guts, it's a good way of wasting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what, uh, now, now, this is a question I can ask a, a female jockey. What is your walking weight? And you've, have you always been small? Yeah, I've always been small, but once I first, when I signed up, obviously put on some muscle weight and I walk around 53. So, yeah, it's, it's easy enough. Yeah, 100%. Now, working with Simon Miller, he's your boss. He's a, a, a good mate of mine, obviously, and I know the inner workings of him. He's a... He can be a hard taskmaster, but at the same time, he's also a very good person and a very good support network. Tell us a bit about working for Simon. 100%. He's probably such a good backbone. Like, he's helped me so much. Through the time that I've been with him, he's just improved me. Like, I can't can't thank him enough for how much he's helped me and how much he is going to help me as well. So, yeah, just he's a lovely person, always got my back and... Yeah, always helped me to be better. One thing about Simon is, he, yes, he gets disappointed if he expects a horse to win, and unless you completely slaughter it, slaughter it, and go against the the instructions, or something goes wrong in a race, he's not. He doesn't get harsh on people. He's very understanding. He yeah. talks you through it. Do you find that he's a good yeah. mediator for stuff like that? Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I have given, you know, a couple of his bit of sore backs, but you know, he's always supported me. <laughs> And like yeah, but he's just supported me through it and talked to me what I should have done and this and that and um you know even the ones that come out like that should have won and um just haven't he's so supportive and said no always next time you know you know could have, there was nothing you could have done in that one and so yeah he's really really good.
Now, who who else do you lean on? Who's your mentor inside the racing game? Who do you who do you look at and go? I, I want to be like them. Or who do you who who do you use as a sounding board in regards to getting better as a jockey? Jamie Carr was in Holly Watson's shoes many not that long ago and with a lot of hard work and a lot of support, uh, she's got there and she's still climbing that tree as well. And she has bad days as well, Holly, so you don't have to stress too much about that. Let's talk about those rides today. Pink Carrots is a horse. It's had two starts for two seconds at Northam. And guess what you're doing today? You're going to Northam again. Does it get the chance to break the drought? And you're on first law also, of course. Um, a horse that's always been about the place uh, in over its career. It's had the one win and four placings over its eight starts. Is this the first time you've ridden it in yep. a race? Uh, yeah, it will be, yeah. Do you yep. ride it at work? So, do you ride it in work? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a nice horse. Um, he's got the blinkers on, so hopefully we can get him midfield and get him some cover and, you know, hit the line strong. You've drawn badly with Butterley Lad um, and you've got the top yeah. weight, but another horse that you rode over the 1,300 metres at Northern, and of course you've stepped up to the other 100, another 100 metres. It's a little bit tougher assignment today, but uh, um, you've still been you've been put on again by Scotty Haley, which is good news. Yeah, yeah, well, I ride him every day, track work, um, so he's been thriving off that win, so I'm quite confident with him. He's, he's a lovely horse, and once he gets out in front and has it his way, he's, you know, you can't hard to chase him down. So your objective so, so your objection uh, objective today would be to slide across from out there and try and get to the front again? Yeah, I'm hoping that I don't have to work too hard and Super Tier doesn't yeah keep me keep me out there, but even if it does I'll take a sit and keep him nice and relaxed. That's all I can do. Uh, Holly Watts is our is our guest on Sporting Goss. Uh, Holly, uh, in between races one and seven is a long time. What does a young apprentice <laughs> jockey do between races one and seven? Uh, sit down and talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a lot of food, so sit down and talk. <laughs> uh, so, so do you, do you watch all the other races? Are you are you are you invested in watching all the other races, or if you're not in them, you don't care? No, hundred percent. You always learn and watching other people ride and what they where the winners are coming from, and you know you always learn and watching races. Uh. Very, very, very cool. Well, Holly, good luck today. Really good luck today. I know, and you're going to Kalgoorlie Sunday. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, you didn't. Uh, the boss is not allowed you to go to Broome or Port Hedland or anything like that. He's uh, he's telling you you have yeah. to do that here, not this year. Well, just the Broome Broome's a bit hard to get to. So you have to leave the night before, and yeah, it's just a bit of a, a difficult situation unless you're up there. So yeah. And I'm happy staying going to Kalgoorlie instead of Port Hedland. So I have, obviously, the Browns support me at Kalgoorlie. So, 
happy to keep going at Kalgoorlie. Good on you. Appreciate your time. Uh, great chat. You're a fine young lady and all the very best in your continued success in the racing game. Simon Miller reckons you're a star of the future and if you want to follow in the footsteps of Jamie Carr, you're on the right track. Ride safely today and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Tim. I really appreciate it. Isn't she a young star? Holly Watson joining us on Sporting Goss on her way to Northam today. Race one, number two, race seven, number two, and race nine, number one. Follow the name Holly Watson. She will be and is already a rising star of WA Racing. Back with more after the break. After 11 o'clock, Adam Pickering from the Swan Districts Football Club. He put the early polish on a young man called Riley Garcia who makes his AFL debut tomorrow night for... The Western Bulldogs, how good's that? Breaking into a team like the Bulldogs, taking on Melbourne. Uh, Zoe Arancini will be WA's only representative at Tokyo in the Australian water polo team. And GS Vivek will also join us in the next hour from New Delhi, of course, on the back of the news that the IPL Phase 2 will go ahead in the UAE. More on that in the next hour. Don't forget, always get in touch with us. Our phone line is always open, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Hello to everyone listening in the state Southland. SEN Spirit 621 down there in the wonderful southwest. And if you're listening on the app. And a reminder also, if you miss anything on the show, you can always download the podcasts on all good podcast providers or get onto sen.com.au and do the catch-ups as well. And thanks to Simon Miller for allowing us to chat with the delightful Holly Watson. Simon was listening. He's having a well-deserved break from the racing caper with his uh, wonderful partner and child, with his in-laws as well. So good on you, Mayor. Thank you very much for that. We've still got to get a break away, but before we do that, let's hear from Oscar Allen. Now, I can tell you that Oscar Allen uh, was a part of the Coast to Coast podcast yesterday, of which uh, I... uh, a part of with Hamish Brayshaw and Aussie, and he was, of course, the centre of attention after signing a lucrative new deal. So we put him under the griller, courtesy of the West Coast Eagles podcast, Coast to Coast. How do you go seeing the it in print where, you know, they've got the dollar signs and the word... Probably going to cut off. All that sort of stuff. As a young man who's in the infancy of his career, how do you go about seeing that, the acceptance... Yeah, this will finish in 55, so it's going to... Take headlines, and someone might say something which is no factuality whatsoever, and then that's kind of see what happens. I think the more you read those articles, there's not actually that much depth to them. It's just basically throwing out something which will grab the viewers to try and get people to look at it. But um, it, it's it's strange behind the scenes, being from understanding what's actually going on and how different it is to the perception that's given. Um, but I'm really thankful the club have been terrific with me. They've go through a lot of contract talks and obviously in the last couple of years I had Gov's big contract and then Tim Kelly, all of the drama surrounding that. Mm. So they were pretty pretty good with me. They weren't saying, oh, are you leaking this or what's happening here? They were pretty comfortable with, we know it's not you, just put it to the back and we'll deal with it internally. Yeah, mate. And, and looking at it, I mean, that attention-grabbing stuff you say, the way they report all this stuff, I think typified in the little Oscar photo of the golden you, the golden you which... <laughs> Which was a little bit arousing at some stages. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting little picture. But, um, yeah, mate, thoroughly deserved. And, I, look, I'm 
just speculating here, but I don't think you're the million-dollar man yet. Oh, I don't know the ins and outs of your contract, but uh, what is it, three years? You'll be a seven-year player by then. My prediction will be an All-Australian and uh, and probably be worth the price tag by the uh, the next one. But uh, for now, mate, you're just living pretty for the next three years. Yeah. Congratulations. Th- thank you very much. No, I think the main thing was, obviously, the club's put a lot of faith in me the last couple of years, and a lot of the th- numbers that we're throwing around, I'm, I'm realistic. And I understand I'm probably not worth that. There's probably only seven or eight guys around the comp that roll around at that kind of money, and I'm not at that level. So I think even if that was to occur, I'd probably feel a little bit bad and, and probably put it too much pressure on myself realistically. You want to sign for what you think you're worth, and if you go overs, then you probably have too high expectations. The big trouble main deal. Yeah. I think uh, just on that, the million-dollar man sounds better and writes a lot better in paper than <laughs> you're just under. Yeah. But just under. <laughs> you're just under, man. Another hour to go. Adam Pickering joins us after the 11 o'clock news. The coach of Swan Districts, his young man Riley Garcia, to make his AFL debut tomorrow night for the Bulldogs against Melbourne. Zoe Arancini, Australian water polo team. She's a West Aussie girl. She's the only West Aussie in our water polo team heading to Tokyo. And GS Vivek in Delhi. He'll give us an update on the COVID situation over there. And, of course, the IPL Phase 2 will go ahead later in the year. Don't forget... 0487 736 736. You can text us all you like or 13 12 55. Tomorrow, Gillian Goss from 6 o'clock in the morning. Adam Simpson will join us ahead of the game with the Bombers. Simo out of the 7 o'clock news. Stay with us. Plenty more to come. Another hour of Gillian Goss. But now it's time for news. Someone else has had their fair share of time spent in rehab is Riley Garcia. Sonny came to the club with an ACL. Benny's first pre-season on the sidelines with Soss, Frizz and myself, which must have been pretty hard for him, mate. <laughs> he impressed us early with his willingness to work and want to get better and the level of tenacity that he attacked every session with. Just as he was getting going, the first COVID shutdown hit and he was back to WA to do his rehab solo. During that time, he was sending me weekly updates of his jump and land control and his rehab progressions. He got back to playing footy up in the hub, and just as he was looking towards his first full pre-season at the club, he had a setback just before Christmas, which I think hit us all pretty hard. But again, he attacked his rehab with the same traits that he'd shown before. Sonny, it's been a really long road for you, mate, and that's why it's my absolute privilege to announce that this week you'll be making your AFL. speeches. Um, firstly, to the um, medical team, like Stoney, the work you guys have put in uh, behind the scenes, it's been a long journey. Um, yeah, no doubt I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for you guys, so um, I have a big thank you to you. Um, to your boys, um, yeah, you've made the journey um, quite enjoyable. I'm pretty pumped to run out with you boys. It's um, going to be pretty special. Um, to my family back home, um, I'm not sure if you guys will be able to come, but um, we'll see how we go. Might just sneak over. Um, but yeah, thank you all very much to the um, coaching staff um, for having the faith in me. Um, yeah, um, hopefully I can repay you out in the field and hit a few bodies. So, thank you very much. Yeah, the high emotion of being named to make your AFL debut, and that happened yesterday at the Western Bulldogs with Riley Garcia, a product of the Swan Districts Football Club, and a man who knows a lot about Riley Garcia and his uh, journey to the AFL, and now on the verge of his AFL debut is the coach of Swan Districts, and that is Adam Pickering, and he's been kind enough to join us on Sporting Goss here on SENWA. Pickers, uh, thanks for joining us. You must be absolutely thrilled for the young man. 
Yeah, yeah. G'day, Goss. How you going? Um, yeah, I am, mate. He's uh, he's a terrific character, and he's he's done it pretty hard, uh, Riley. So, yeah, to see it pop up on your on your newsfeed in the morning, or uh, just that he's making his a- AFL debut, it was um, pretty heartwarming stuff. He's had some injuries, hasn't he? He's really had some injuries, and that sort of uh, many believe that was going to work against him in drafts and the whole range and and carnivals. But tell you what, he stuck at it, and he's obviously got good people around him. Yeah, yeah, he's um, oh, from when he was with us through our development programs, Colts, and then played a bit of league footy. He, um, the one thing he did have, Riley, was a terrific character. So any hurdles that we're gonna, he was going to come across in his AFL career, and they all do. Um, he, he was def- we we believed he was definitely going to overcome them. So yeah, saw him go down in his 18th year with a knee, playing for WA in the championships. Mm. Um, he was pretty down with that, uh, but he's. Yeah, look, his character has shone through. He's fought through it, and he gets his chance. What do you? Uh, what does he bring to the table? What's he? What's his strength? And not that you've probably seen a lot of him in more recent times, and what he's built on that. But when he was yep. under your guidance, what was his strength as a footballer? Well, first and foremost, mate, I didn't do much with him. <laughs> yeah, he did most of the work, but um, oh, he was. He, he had real good speed, real good endurance, and a, and, um, a relentless uh, endeavour around the footy. Um, really typical of that Western Bulldogs type of player. Again, so you have a look at their team, and they've got all these guys that go through the midfield, put heaps of pressure on, are really good with their hands, and, and Riley fits that mould. He's um, yeah, he, he's very coachable, willing to do whatever he can for the team, uh, and he never never stops trying, never gives up. Well, I'll just name drop right here now. I'm a similar... You talked about uh, your involvement with Riley Garcia. I, I hang my hat on having coached Daniel Rich at the Subiaco Colts uh, a, a while ago, mate, and I can trust you. He taught me more as a 17-year-old than I taught him as a 40-year-old. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. They go on the CV. You claim them a little bit, but in reality, yeah. <laughs> they, um, yeah, you're right. They taught you more. You're playing East Fremantle this week. You, uh, of course, at the as as it stands right now, you're in the clutter, aren't you, in regards to spots uh, yeah. for the finals? And it is that type of competition. I mean, even the top teams, even like the Subiaco, the Claremont, uh, and the like. I mean, there's no runaway leader. And I saw East Perth on the weekend. I've seen in the last couple of weeks. They've improved. Yeah. They've improved over the last month. Yeah, yeah, they have. They're going to start to get some of their senior. Core back. Um, Ramsey won't be far away. So I think Schumacher came back in the last couple of weeks. Robertson's starting to get fit. So they're starting to get their stuff together. Um, and you're right, it's a, it's a real clutter in the competition. There's, there's probably, I think there's five or six teams. I can't remember off the top of my head, are on three and three. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, uh, there's about five or six eight point games, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, these weeks we've got East from Mantle and Peel Thunder before the bye. Um, they're eight-point games for us, so there's no easy ones. Uh, we're not taking anyone lightly. It's just these are the ones, if you want to play finals at the end of the year, you really have to win. Peel, East Romandle, Swans, West Perth and Perth, all three and three. There you go. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a really nice, even competition, which is it's good to see for WA footy, I think. It certainly is. Um, obviously, pending whether the game goes ahead tomorrow night, the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne, will you be catching a glimpse of young Riley and wishing him the best? Have you sent him a message about his, uh, his imminent debut? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I flicked him a text. I didn't want to call him. I'm sure he had every man and his dog calling him and texting him. So just to sort of touch base and... 
congratulate him and wish him all the best. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tune in if I'm allowed. Friday night's my <laughs> sort of night off with the family. So, <laughs> yeah. I used to go to bed. I used to go. I used to go. I used to include when my young when I was coaching. You coming back here? Time on a Friday night was here. Girls, you're going to go to America. The girls involved in, the, in putting the team together and they would put all the players' yeah. names in and that sort of got me in the football mode but at the same time got the, some... Hello. Some family time. Well, I've actually... I'm, I'm coaching my son's uh, kick as well. So yeah. this week's the Friday night session. So I might not see much of the footy unless I watch it on replay after everyone else goes to bed tomorrow night. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll try. I'll try and get a glimpse of uh, see how Riley went. And the mighty Wembley Magpies, mate, haven't won a game. <laughs> Well, it's been a while since I was back there, but yeah, well, uh, hopefully they can turn it around with uh, the little pickers, they used to call him, Andrew Coley. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, was, I was big pickers when I was there because I was 110 <laughs> kilos and he was little pickers, so yes. hopefully he can turn it around for well, us. Well, he better, buddy, hurry up because they're running out of chances and I'm running out of patience. <laughs> Appreciate your time, mate. Yeah. All the very best on the weekend against East Romano. Thanks for joining us. No worries, Gus. There a good he is. Day, mate. He's a good man. He's Adam Pickering. He's the coach of Swan Districts and a man that had a bit to do with the development of Riley Garcia, who makes his debut tomorrow night. This is the Sporting Goss on SEN right around WA. Well, of course, uh, we are always counting down to the Tokyo Olympic Games in July, under 60 days now. And, of course, SEN is a media partner of the Games. And we're looking forward to seeing how our Australian water polo teams go over there in Tokyo. And the good part is WA has a representative in our Australian women's team, and that is Zoe Arancini, who joins us. Congratulations, Zoe. You must be relieved that you're, you're in the team and you're about to be on the plane heading across to Tokyo. Hi. Yes, I'm so excited and relieved to be, um, you know, get the call up and get my ticket. Um, so yeah, looking forward to only I think it's less than sixty days now. So starting to get, you know, getting really excited about it. And that makes you a dual Olympian, of course. So uh, you went to Rio. Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah, still hard to believe it's a dual, you know, two now. So, um, <laughs> but they're going to be very different, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, very, very much so. Is there any trepidation? For you, about going to Tokyo and with what's happening in the world at the moment? Um, well, we've been told by the IOC and the AOC that it'll go ahead and we and they wouldn't send us if it wasn't safe or they couldn't provide that safety for us. Um, we're currently getting vaccinated. We get our second dose in a, in a couple of weeks or actually next week, sorry. Um, so, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, nerves around it. It's more just uh, wondering, you know, what are the protocols because we're still waiting on the third playbook. But um, I have every trust in the AOC and the IOC and the Japanese government to put on a on a safe, you know, Olympics. Um, we're in a village where we'll probably with very strict conditions. And um, I know that the AOC and the Australian athletes will be doing the best they can to minimise the risk, I suppose. Zoe, when I was a 12-year-old, okay, when you were not even not even close to being uh, a glitter in your parents' eye, uh, I went to a scout jamboree in the Dandenongs in Victoria and I was yep. the only 12-year-old from WA on various parts of that jamboree and I felt incredibly lonely. Now, you are the only West Australian. How are you going to feel? Um, well, it's a first. It's a first. I'm usually have another partner in crime, or you know, at least another two, two people. Especially like Rio, we had um, Glenn and Jem. Um, so it is very different um, experience this time. Um, 
no one to sort of feel the pain of waking up for a 5 a.m. flight and then flying <laughs> over and then having to get stra- stuck into a two-hour session. And everyone going like, oh, we didn't feel too bad. It's like, that's great. We woke up at 4 a.m. And now we're only finishing at 8.30 here in Queensland. That's great. Um, so little things that, you know, people sort of don't understand coming from the West, like time difference and everything and the travel we have to take. <laughs> and that always gets a bit forgotten. You know, you're always the last one to get home as well once camp finishes. Everyone's like... You know, like when we came home from the second camp, well, the recent camp in Byron, everyone got on the Byron flight home to Sydney. It's like, okay, see you. It's like, yep, I've got a four-hour wait, and I'll be home in another ten hours. Yeah. For them, for <laughs> but, them, um, for them, for their flights is like catching a cab. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, uh, you know, the girls. I've been around this team for so long now. It's sort of like a second family. So mm-hmm. um, I feel very, I'm very lucky, and I've played with a few girls since. There's, you know, we've got a third time and a four time Olympian, so they've been here since I started in '09. So it's, you know, I'm very lucky that I've got some very close friends here. Zoe Arancini is our guest from the Australian water polo team heading for Tokyo for the games in July. Just on the flip side of that, I mean, what's the state of play with the women's water polo here in Western Australia? If you're the only Olympian, I know spots are hard to come by, and I get that, but what's the state of play with our the strength of our um, our women's program here in WA? Um, so the women's part, it's now changed a little. So I think there's two, two hubs now. So it's, you've got the North Hub and the South Hub. North Hub's run by UWA. South Hub is run by Melville. Um, we still supported by Waste, so the Western Australian Institute of Sport. They still provide us with like service providers. So gym, nutrition, psychology, all that kind of stuff. We just don't have a, you know, coach led program there now. Um, it's just, it's a recent change. Um, it was supposed to happen after the Olympics, but because of the delayment, we've had to sort of just go ahead with it. Um, but I think it will be, a, you know, the WA program has a strong junior contingent. Um, you know, there were a couple of girls in this current squad, but due to the fact that the, you know, Olympics was delayed by a year, some of them just about to finish uni, it's kind of like, well, we're still young enough to go for 2024. It's like, well, let's get the uni done. That way you can focus on, you know, the next cycle. So you can be fully committed, you know, if, if, able to travel overseas. I'm not sure if that's a possibility mm. at this stage uh, for the next few years. I don't know. Um, but, um, you know, it just gives the girls some options. You know, they can then, you know, really focus on training a bit more, not having to then, you know, juggle study work and um, playing. Um, but, no, there is a there's a good, like, when I just came back last week to WA, um, coming down to a couple of sessions, there's a lot of juniors coming through, about 10 years younger than me, making me feel quite old here. Um, all, you know, fresh-eyed and like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Those were the <laughs> don't days. Un- don't understand. <laughs> don't understand the daily grind just yet. I'm like, just you wait. Mm. Um, <laughs> but no, there's um, a really strong contingent coming through. It's just going to take another cycle or two, I think, until we probably get another couple, you know, into this team. But in the junior teams, we've got about three or four girls making camps. Um, like, I think it's now born 03 camps now they're starting to do. So I, I get lost with them now. There's so many. I always think they're a lot younger now. I was, yeah. So, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> born 03, next thing will be born 05, and that will make you feel yeah, really old. Exactly right, especially for <laughs> someone who's born in 1965. Speaking of slightly older, I mean, Pete and Wendy must be absolutely thrilled. Yes, they are. Um, I think they were just holding their breath just as much as I was for that phone call. Um, obviously, you know, they've been a huge part of my journey, both as role models, and both of them have coached me. Dad's 
done a lot more coaching than we did with me than mum, but both have been, you know, such good supportive parents. And, um, you know, this is a lot, I think, before I come over to this residential camp, it's the longest I've been home for about a year and a half. Usually in the past, I think the last eight years, I've always been away from home, probably spent only two to three months at home per year. So they were really happy for me to be home. <laughs> Someone to help out around the house. But um, no, they're stoked. I mean, the first Olympics was just, you know, making getting my first Olympics. They were just thrilled. Um, Dad was a little bit stressed, <laughs> stressing, always calling me every five minutes. Have you got the phone call? Have you got the phone call? I'm like, okay, just wait. I'll call you when I got it. <laughs> um, but uh, no, they um, they're thrilled for me. Um, it's just a shame they can't, you know, travel because Tokyo would have been amazing for them as well. Um, they would have held a you know amazing Olympics. But unfortunately, this is the way it is now. Uh, last one for you. You're up against uh, the European champions, Spain, Netherlands, Canada and South Africa. They are the team in Pool A over there in Tokyo and you hit the water, of course, uh, on July 24. When you look at that, on oh, is it hard to read the form considering that, you know, international competition has been certainly um, interrupted with the, with the pandemic and the like? And if you looked at those teams, Spain, Netherlands, Canada and South Africa, where do we sit? Um, I'd say we're definitely looking at that group. We're definitely in the top three. Um, Canada recently just played a mini series with USA. Um, I haven't been able to watch the games yet. We're still waiting for the coaches to give it to us. But, um, I mean, South Africa, we only usually play them at the world champs or at a, I think it's intercontinental. So probably the last time I played them was about two years ago. Um, you know, that's, the way it is. Um, Spain and Netherlands. Um, we watched the Netherlands qualify for the Olympics. Um, One minute left. Rusty. Um, Spain yep. will always, you know, that Spain will, pretty, uh, will be pretty strong. They've been playing their domestic competition. Um, they've got a couple of big centre forwards and some good outside shooters. Um, so they'll be, t um, Netherlands and Spain will be tough, but we're doing everything we can here, preparing. Um, you know, training with some of the boys, younger, like uh, New South Wales boys, the Queensland junior boys, um, just to get us some game fitness and get us ready for over there. So Talk to me about Europa League. We're just doing the best we can with what we've got. Appreciate your time. Very, very well done being selected for in the, the uh, Olympic Games short team version again, of Zoe Europa Ancini, League. And fly the flag for Western Australia. It's always great. Olympians going to the Games, and in particular for water polo, which is a, a sport that, of course, a lot of Australians love seeing on the big stage. Thanks for joining us, and once again, congratulations. Thanks, Tim. Good on you. There's Zoe Arancini, of course, all part of our Australian Olympic team. We appreciate her time on the Sporting Goss. Eleven thirty news in about five minutes' time. Then after that, we'll be chatting with GS Vivek, associate editor of Sport with ABP News in Delhi over there in India. The COVID cases over there certainly slowly but surely getting on top of it after the pandemic swept through India and of course and it wiped out the IPL, which is on the move and looks like it's going to be taking place a little later in the year. In the meantime, Special K, soccer guru. Well, that's what he tells us. And the only reason I know he's a soccer guru is because I'm not a soccer guru. Mind you, I was with Tony Sage last night. Were you? Yes, and you know what he said? This is very funny. Got in a lift with him here at Optus Stadium for, mm. a, uh, for a, a launch. 
And he got in the lift. He said, oh, gosh, uh, how are you, mate? Isn't that great news? Uh, your station, Channel 10, has, um, <laughs> the, has got the rights to the A-League. Finger on the pulse. And I just went, well, I haven't been there since September, Sagey, and they probably sacked about 100 people so they could afford to buy the A-League. <laughs> anyway, it cost them $200 million and 200 yeah. jobs. So good luck to Network 10. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but uh, there was Europa uh, League final last night. Who played? There was. It was Villarreal um, against Manchester United. <laughs> I love so. Say that I again. love it. Via Real. Okay, Via Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They um, it was crazy. A crazy game. So one all draw in the end went to penalties, and Via Real won eleven ten on 11-10. penalties. Yeah. Does that get them into the big league, the the big one next year or not? What does that do? No, no. So that well, that's just the final of the cup competition. So that oh, and that does get them into the Champions League that's next what I mean. season. Sorry, does it get yes. Man U in as well? No, I don't think so. So that's no. what's at stake. That is uh, that is a big big prize to get into wow. the Champions League. And you're already in. And uh, but of course Manchester United are already in. Yeah. Because they finished in the top four. In, yeah. Sure. Uh, in the Premier League. So they didn't give a rat's toss bag last night about. The they Europa couldn't League. have cared less <laughs> that they lost. Did they play their A team? Did they? Yeah, play yeah. They played. The they absolutely. Yeah. Um. So they. They looked good. Well, they looked decent, but it took until the 22nd spot kick, of course. So they were 1-0 down. They came back and uh, made it 1-0, sent it into penalties, and yeah, it took a long time. After 120 minutes, let's have a listen to how it sounded uh, as the two goalkeepers faced off against one another in the penalty shootout. Ruley against De Gea. Goalkeeper against goalkeeper. And Ruley scores. Saved. Really, with that save, has presented Villarreal with their first European title. And the UEFA Europa League winners go into next season's Champions League. An extraordinary sequence of penalties. It was down to David De Gea, the Manchester United goalkeeper, whose attempt was kept out by Geronimo Rulli. with Sevilla has now presented the trophy again to Villarreal. What a night of drama in Gdansk. And what a win for Villarreal. Mm. Unai Emery, the former Arsenal manager, getting it done for Villarreal. Couldn't win the Europa League for Arsenal. Did it three times with Sevilla, as you heard there. And now he's done it with Villarreal. Just cannot, could not do it with Arsenal. Um, so that's that was a really good story for him. He loves that competition uh, with most clubs that he's at. Uh, one negative story, though, out of it. Marcus Rashford played for Manchester United, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, scored his penalty. Uh, he did tweet after the game, though, at least 70 racial slurs on my social accounts counted so far for those working to make me feel any worse than I already do. Good luck trying. Seriously. And then he's with a couple of other little tweets to, to follow that up. And just disgraceful, disgusting, really. Um, it's weird world. I, I, yeah. I can't even fathom what gets inside people's heads to make such comments. It just drives me bonkers. Yeah, it's baffling to say the least. He does great work for the community, for lots of different uh, charities, and he does a lot of work in trying to point out and um, kind of drive some change, change for social media yeah, and, and society in general. So this is another step towards that. And, you know, at, his, at a point when he's probably near his lowest after losing a cup final, he's still trying to drive that. So that was a, it's a disappointing 
uh, end to it. But, um, yeah, congratulations to Vireal. Chris Clafunas, special K. He produces Gillian Goss, but his main heavy lifting work is done here on the Sporting Goss. He will be, you'll be a part of the team tomorrow. You'll be coming in with your 6.30 sports update, your 7.30 sports update. And if oh, there's yeah. any soccer you can squeeze in, you'll get that in as well. You know it. Have you got social media soccer tonight? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. So what's your name of your team? We're the Hot Boys. The Hot wh- Boys FC. You're known as the Hot Boys. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's a good team. No name, mirrors isn't it? in your team, obviously, because <laughs> you're far from hot boys. Okay, and can you also express to me um, you got sent off last week? Yeah, look. That's not cool. No, it's not cool. So you want to bag out people for being silly on social media. You're flying the flag for Gillian Goss and SENWA. Yeah. We're saying to you, you get sent off again and we find out about it. You're dead. Oh, I'll keep my mouth quiet this time then, <laughs> rather than come in bragging about how I got sent off. It's <laughs> nothing to brag about. My you... first ever red card. And no, it, it was nothing to brag about. Referee abuse is not something to brag about. And I apologise wholeheartedly Good to man. Mateus, I think his name is. Good man. Uh, well, you know, yeah, fantastic stuff. And yeah. uh, the legal action is pending. GS Vivek <laughs> is on the way. So is the news. This is the Sporting Goss. Gillian Goss, tomorrow morning from 6 o'clock, Adam Simpson will be our guest. We'll also check in with the uh, Essendon Football Club and how they've uh, settled into WA and how the landscape has changed for them and just heard that the Dogs D's game will go ahead tomorrow night at Marvel Stadium with no crowds. Justin Longmuir is the coach of the Fremantle Dockers and, of course, at his press conference this morning, he was asked about the current situation in Victoria. Yeah, it's a changing environment. Um, and yeah, we're just going to have to, as an AFL industry, we're just going to have to be fluid and and move with the, with what the government's telling us. Um, yeah, and really, that's that's with the AFL. My job is to make sure our players are really focused on the job at hand. I don't think our game against Port Adelaide is affected at this stage, so um, we need to make sure we focus on what Port Adelaide are going to bring and what we need to do. Do you address it with your players at all? Do you, do you mention it at all? Or just think that they just briefly. Um, just mentioned that looks like our game's going to go ahead um, exactly the same situation as what we were presented with when the fixture came out um, and we need to focus. So there's a lot of noise floating around at the moment, a lot of what-ifs. Uh, we need to make sure our head's in the game and in our preparation. you leaving tomorrow or today? Or when no, we leave Saturday morning. So, yeah, obviously travel between Adelaide and Perth is, or, yeah, South Australia and WA is, is um, normal at the moment. Is there any apprehension, Justin, about travelling in this environment <clears> that things can change so quickly? Oh, not really. No, this situation's been here for 18 months now. Um, it hasn't really changed from our point of view. There's all, we've always taken the most precautions we can when we travel. That won't change. Um, you know, we've just come back from a 10-11 you know, day stint on the road ourselves. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be ready for anything. Is Tabernacle going to be fit? Is he going to have enough time to be ready? Uh, we'll give him every opportunity. And as I said earlier in the week on Channel 7, that um, we've got an eight-day break. So uh, we'll give him every opportunity. Uh, he's improving every day. Um, and it's probably going to come down to the line. So, um, yeah, I haven't got a definite answer for you yet. But, yeah, we'll give him every opportunity we can. Would you take him anyway, and just in case? Or would you well, we'd have to see. If he's looking like he's better than... You know, an even chance would would take him and give him to the siren to prove his fitness. Clearly, an important player to us. And um, but if it's looking unlikely, we'll probably leave him at home. 
Is there a concern that he felt that he was right to go back out on the ground on the weekend and then straight away was, was forced off the field again? Oh, I probably just showed that it wasn't overly serious. Um, yeah, and then you know, once he got out there, it just felt like he couldn't go and you know, clearly it got worse. So it's just no point risking him. Um, and in the conditions, we were able to um, cover him, given it wasn't an intercept marking day. Um, in the in the slip. straight to a break here. Yep. Yeah, fresh player on the, on the ground oh, on the on the bench and me, as a medical sub and have have him limping around possibly doing more damage just yeah made the decision pretty easy. Ah, uh, yeah, he's got to get through training, but all signs are that he will and be right to play. Are there any other concerns about you know? Things have flared up over the, the surface issues recently. Is that Adam Chair? Uh, no, Ches and Aishi were both a little bit sore going into the game on the weekend and um, got, both got through really well um, and will train today and look to be over those those hurdles. So, yeah, hopefully it settled, it has settled down. In having a dozen get up, Justin, have you, have you got a contingency to try and keep that tall structure in the forward line or would you? Yeah, well, there's, a, there's a few options. We obviously brought Tracy in last week um, and I thought he um, gave us a good contest when he needed to for the ball. Uh, we might rely on him for more game time and just bring Brayshaw in but yeah there is an opportunity to play two rucks and yeah see if we can keep that talk structure ahead of the ball so got a few things to work through um, and we won't know until we get the all clear on tabs or not so um, make those decisions probably more this afternoon than right now. How's that looks Pierre Scott? Uh, good yep uh, so he got good, renew, uh, good news on that ankle. Uh, looks like he's just got some irritation really where the screws are in that ankle. So uh, he trained yesterday to give him a little bit more time to recover, to play at Peel this week. And um, he's going to have to put up with a little bit of pain and, and get, through, get through that knowing that it's not going to do him any further damage. So uh, it's, good, it's a good result. Well, there's a lot of news about sport and world sport and uh, improvements around the world at the moment. And a part of that is the possibility that the Indian Premier League could have a phase two in the United Arab Emirates. And our very good friend GS Vivek uh, joins us online. Of course, GS uh, Vivek is the associate editor with ABP and formerly from Indian Express in India today. Cricket is his first love, as he says on his Twitter handle. GS, appreciate your time. Before we get on to the cricket, um, how are you going, mate? And how is everyone over there in India? Uh, Things are on the improve slightly. Thanks, Tim, for inviting me over. Yeah, it's, uh, things have been a lot better these days. Uh, the positivity rate has been coming down in almost all the states. The lockdown has helped for us. So, yeah, we're fighting our way through back again for the second wave. And hopefully we should all be uh, coming out of it very soon. Yeah, it was certainly a crazy time uh, and has been a really tough time for everyone over there in India. And I suppose our link to it here in Australia was the Indian Premier League and Mike Hussey and all the other Australians trying to get out and AJ Ty getting out when he could get out. Um, Obviously, that commanded plenty of attention there. And to shut the whole system down and the IPL down was a a last resort. But uh, do you think now with hindsight it was the right decision? 
Yeah, uh, it was it was the right decision because otherwise things could have just spiraled out of control. Uh, uh, the point was, to, as long as the bubble was intact, it was good to go. Even though whatever was happening around the country, mm. as long as the bubble was working for the players, for the BCCI, it was good to go. And that is why uh, everybody defended it when it was going through, even though the cases were surging at certain places where the players were first were in Chennai and in Mumbai, and the cases were really high. Um, but uh, the moment the bubble was uh, bust open, I don't think it was safe anymore. So I think that was the right call taken by the BCCI. And uh, it was very important that the players are kept safe because uh, the BCCI has a responsibility towards other boards as well. Mm. And there are a lot of foreign players which make the IPL what it is, apart from the Indian players. So it was very important that the players uh, are kept at priority. And I think uh, the BCCI for once did the right thing by calling it off the moment they realised the bubble had busted open. J.S. Vivek is our guest on Sporting Goss, and he is over there in India, in New Delhi. Just in regards to Mike Hussey, it's, uh, he's been interviewed over here a couple of times in the media, and he said he wouldn't change anything. He felt incredibly safe, but as you just said, once they had to move uh, cities inside India, that's when things started to get a bit shaky. He's done two weeks over there in isolation after being in hospital. He's now, he's now I think, three days away from his 14-day lockdown over here in quarantine. He can't wait to get out, but at the same time, the great Australian, he said he would, he would not change a thing in regards to his involvement. That must be comforting. Yeah, sure. That's what uh, the priority was for the BCCI was to make sure that all the players, uh, BCCI uh, paid for the expenses of all the players flying out on a charter flight to Maldives, the, the Australians and also the South Africans, New Zealand players, everyone, making sure uh, they, that they kept their promise where they returned to all the players individually that their safety is their priority and they will not rest till the time each one of the player reaches back to their respective homes. So I think it's good to see that the BCCI kept its word they followed it up through, and they're even paying for the hard quarantine for all the players in their respective countries as they are going through right now in Australia or in South Africa or like Mustafa Fisul was doing it in Bangladesh. So it was very important, the credibility of the BCCI, the credibility of the tournament, the fact that why it is one of the most valued tournaments in the world is because of the way the players are treated, the way they are paid, the way they are looked after and the way they are loved by their uh, spectators and by the fans. So everything was at stake when the bubble had busted open. You don't want this to happen to what had happened to Pakistan, where the players had fears about going back there, they had concerns about it, and only those players who thought, okay, maybe they are full-time T20 professionals, they had, all they had to do was to play at respective countries. They come and pick and choose. The best part about ITL was that no player ever picks and chooses unless and until it's an injury-related issue. Mm-hmm. So that was paramount for BCCI, and I guess that was a very important step that BCCI ensured that come what may, whatever be the expenses, they'll make sure that there is, even though their bubble has been compromised, but there is no fear inside the player's mind. And they, if they first chance they get to come back to India and play the IPL, uh, all the players should be ready to come and play the IPL. So yeah. I guess the BCCI went out of the way to make sure that the comfort feeling is still there, even though the bubble was compromised. Yeah, 100%. Wherever that may be and whatever time uh, life gets back to some normality, in particular in India, which has been incredibly hit hard by this pandemic. Of course, they've talked about Phase 2 now in the UAE. That's been ticked off on. Are you excited about that? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good thing that uh, they are planning to make sure that the IPL goes through. Um, obviously, uh, there's always been a debate 
that why the BCCI is compromising a couple of international tours, the one against South Africa and the one against New Zealand has been had to be tweaked a bit. So why do we have to give preference on the IPL over country? So that's always been a debate which has already started in this country. But uh, IPL has had its impact. We all know what impact has had around the world. Uh, BCCI is what is BCCI because of the IPL and the kind of value it generates, the money it generates, the interest it generates. So it was very important that uh, the IPL is completed. Uh, they don't want this particular black mark on their particular thing where the IPL is suspended and it's not completed because the stakes are pretty high, not just for the players, for the franchisees, for the BCCI. It's also there for the for the fans as well. So um, it is very important that the BCI, uh, BCCI completes the IPL. Um, yes, it's a very good. Uh, they didn't have too much of a window, so they'll have to work their way around. Mm. I'm glad that they did because uh, they've chosen it over the South African series. Three T20s, three ODIs, uh, nothing much they could have added in terms of uh, preparation towards the T20 World Cup. I guess with uh, the World Cup almost out of India, um, I guess it's just a matter of time the ICC takes its call. And I don't think the BCCI would also protest. So uh, to have a T20 World Cup in the UAE and for having all the foreign players and the Indian players uh, travel to UAE, play a bit of T20 IPL, which I guess is very, very competitive T20 cricket. And a lot of players get to play. Uh, so I guess it's the best warm-up for the World T20 uh, as well. So I guess, yeah, it's a good thing that they've tried to squeeze in a window, even though they've had to, uh, you know, cancel a particular series and twist the New Zealand cities a bit. Yeah, that window is September 15 to October 15. And as you talked about, then you've got the, the T20 World Cup and the like. So a bit of shifting, but it looks like it's going ahead. Uh, I, I stand corrected on this, uh, GS, but it looks like there will be no Australians going back to play in that part of the series. Is that in the IPL too? Is that is that true? Yeah, given uh, the kind of uh, uh, backdoor uh, conversations BCCI has been having with various respective boards, I guess England players would be free to play the IPL. South African, New Zealand guys are already there. Uh, the, always the question was about the Australians. And I guess Australian players have shown the indication that they would uh, come back with their respective franchisees and uh, they would want to play the IPL. Maybe we might see a couple of them missing it out, but... Uh, on the whole, the BCCI is pretty confident that because of the... One minute left, mate. Yeah, mate. New Zealand or South African players or the English players have had with their respective franchise, that is something which is very special. So they would come back and honour that. And they, we would see uh, almost a full-fledged IPL. And when I say a full-fledged IPL, I mean to say that almost every franchisee would be at least at about 90 to 95% of their original strength as to what they were at the beginning of the tournament. Appreciate your time today, GS. Stay safe and let's hope things continue to improve over there in India with the pandemic and the numbers keep coming down. Uh, Stay safe and we look forward to chatting again here in Perth, Western Australia on SEN. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for the time. Good on you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Good on you. Always is. Yeah, thanks, mate. There's GS Vivek, ladies and gentlemen, from Delhi. And just repeating the news that at this stage, the IPL 2021 Phase 2 will continue in the UAE between September 15 and October 15, with a bit of shuffling of the calendar as well. Back with plenty more. This is the Sporting Goss. And that news is coming through from the east. Just repeating the news out of Melbourne today. So the the borders are locked down for WA. 
Now, I have been in touch with the West Coast Eagles in regards to do the West Coast Eagles players or staff have to go into any form of quarantine because of the Essendon situation. But according to their CEO, Trevor Nisbet, who was kind enough to respond, no. The following protocols, they're strict enough as they are uh, with the testing. They were tested on Tuesday and they'll be tested post-game next week. That's all football staff and players. Now, also news through that Dogs D's game looks like going ahead at Marvel tomorrow night, albeit with no crowds in Victoria. So that's continuing. Now, this is a developing story. Well, you're not exactly sure how much depth is there to this, but there is a firming genuine likelihood that next weekend's dream time at the G game between Richmond and Essendon will be played at Optus Stadium. The ground is available on Saturday night. Essendon already in WA. And we're led to believe all key parties, government, Optus Stadium, police, health officials, uh, have all engaged on the possibility and the AFL. So uh, that is a Ryan Daniels tweet. Ryan Daniels from uh, Seven. He's saying that Dreamtime at Optus Stadium is firming as a genuine likelihood next weekend. So the key parties are involved in that. That would be massive, massive. So Optus Stadium... Can you imagine? It would be, uh, it would turn it on. There's no better place for the lights and the respect that the Dreamtime in the G game uh, is needed and to honour it. So imagine if that takes place. That would be very, very big. Tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow, Gillian Goss from six o'clock in the morning, of course. And don't forget, we will have Adam Simpson will join us. We'll check in with the Essendon Football Club and we might ask them about Dreamtime at Optus Stadium heading forward as well plenty of news in all sorts of areas in regards to sports so keep an ear on SEN and don't forget you can also download the podcast as well sen.com.au or any of your podcast providers just a reminder tomorrow morning tomorrow morning from six till eight it is Gilly and Goss the game between the 76ers, of course, we already heard this from April Austin, but Ben Simmons has absolutely exploded into life in the NBA playoffs. Uh, we talked about him not being a great scorer. I think he had six, and fi- six points, 15 boards and 15 assists in game one. Well, he certainly ramped it up, of course. Simmons uh, on fire, finished with 22, nine boards and eight assists. Um, so fantastic as the 76ers got the job done in their playoffs. 120-95, game two win over the Washington Wizards. We spoke with Holly Watson earlier. She had that ride on pink carrots, the dude. Well, the dude could only finish fourth as an odd-on favourite in race one, but she's got a couple of good rides later in the day, so we wish her well. Thanks for your company. Been a great week on Sporting Goss. Hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Thanks for all your texts, uh, of course. 0487 Alex presses the buttons and does a great job. And the best producer in the business, Special K, Chris Clafunas. Thank you, mate. Absolutely brilliant, as always. Six o'clock tomorrow morning, Gillian Goss. Get your radio tuned in. We'll be on 657 SEN Track. We'll also be on SEN Peel on the digital and SEN Spirit 621. Stay with us right here on SEN Around Western Australia. Catch you tomorrow from six.